Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're available worldwide to the masses at radionorthland.org where you can listen to us live or you can listen to us, uh, I guess, if you didn't make it to the live show, you can check out our archives there. We have over eight years of Rasslin Memories interviews with some of the legends who are no longer with us to some who are uh, still making their mint today. I'm Glenn Broggett. No co-host this week. Well, I have a guest co-host, I, I should say. Uh, my, you know, my usual co-host, uh, the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, is on assignment. So this week, sitting in the co-host chair is a man. Uh, not too long ago, had we had on the program, and he did such a great job, and it was such a well-received edition of the program that we're going to be doing a few of these from time to time, where he's going to be on the program to share not only his wrestling stories but some of the stories with our guests, so they can share their histories. I'm going to bring in right now the Thunderblood, Charlie Norris. Charlie, my friend, good to have you in back again for Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Yeah, man, it's a, it's my pleasure to be back on here. Um, thanks, man. It was great. I had a blast the first time, and I I don't know how many people contacted me that said I did a great job, and and you did also. But uh, you know, they said I got a good radio voice, which I have been told that before, but uh-huh. I don't I don't think it's anything special. But yeah, I really appreciate being on here today, especially with my mentor and my best friend. You know. Yeah, 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 boy, when we were talking about get lining up some guests for uh, these uh, series of shows that we're going to be doing together in the next few months, uh, we wanted to kind of focus on pro, uh, not only your pro wrestling story, but also the, the history of Minnesota pro wrestling. And boy, you said you got your mentor and your trainer on board. When you told me that he was uh, agreeing to do the interview, I, I absolutely flipped because I had just heard him on Carmine Despirito's uh, podcasts, and he did such a great job. It was so much fun listening to someone tell tell his story and we i really want to have him on because not only of his career uh, not only in the ring but also as a trainer uh and, and you know just minnesota history as well charlie so i think we should get this uh guest on the air because it's only fair to have him on so you guys can chat and i can chat with him too yes sir let's do it man. all right i want to welcome in and it is an honor and a, and, a, and a pleasure to have him on he's been called often called and he's earned this title the trainer of champions the list of guys that he is in gals that he has trained through the years is amazing uh from the road warriors animal and hawk rick rude uh bob backlin uh Derek dukes barry darso larry cameron john nord uh wayne bloom tom zinc uh, the list goes on and on and we're going to get into and talking about some of the people that he had trained but it's so great to have him on and i want to talk to him about some things uh that happened up here in my neck of the woods thief river falls minnesota and winnipeg manitoba but anyway i'm going to bring on the trainer of champions uh, the man himself and it's so glad i'm so glad to have him on mr eddie sharkey nice introduction very nice thank you before we uh, get going with you and Charlie, uh, I want to I want to talk with you, uh, Ed. Uh, some of the Eddie, uh, some of the memories uh, that I have of you. Uh, we were talking a little bit off mic before we got started. It was back in 1987, on uh, October of 1987, that uh, I saw my second pro wrestling show live event up here in Thief River Falls, Minnesota, at the Huck Olson Hockey Arena. Of course, it's the old Huck now because they put up a big one. Uh, Ralph Engelstead built a big one here in the early 2000s. But anyway, uh, it was a ho- it was a big event 
at the arena, it was a Pro Wrestling America show. And, you know, you guys uh, were da- based down in Minneapolis. But it was so cool because we uh, we saw, I had seen an AWA show a few months prior. But this was a different company. And I, and I remember the name Eddie Sharkey because uh, we have, have Winnipeg Television up here. But I was getting to see the show. And, and Eddie, it was the night of the World Series, Game 6 with the Twins and the Cardinals. I can remember that because as I was, uh, we were getting ready to leave, that game was on. And we were watching, and then we ended up going to this wrestling show, and it was kind of a bit of a little bit of a snowstorm that night. Not, and uh, for some reason, you guys uh, we were. Uh, I remember this well because you were refereeing. The ring truck didn't come for a couple of hours, so we, not only did we get to see you guys in action, we kind of got to see the ring get put together. I think it was by Tom Burton. Well, that had to be Ron Peterson. Well, oh. Burton was helping. Uh, he, that, was part of, that was part promoter, of paying your dues. That was part of that was part of paying your dues, though. Ed Burton was helping set up the ring. You know. Oh, he might have helped them, but uh, Ron Peterson's the main man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a, a really kind of a, a cool show. I just remember uh, seeing, and I was really shocked. I mean, I got to see, and it was only a few months out of the out of the uh, him leaving the company was uh, Tom Zink, uh, who was uh, making one of his post WWF appearances. And you and Tom had a, had a connection with uh, helping his career get forward. But that's what I can remember really well from that night, and also uh, the guys like Derek Dukes. Uh, Larry Cameron, Johnny Love, Tommy Ferrara. I mean, it, it, these names, I, I really, what that, from seeing just on the Winnipeg television and kind of seeing the show was really impressive. And it really kind of got me curious about you, Eddie, and what you uh, did in your career and uh, how you got to be the trainer of champions. Well, I was just lucky. I was at the right place at the right time with the right people. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. could have happened to anybody. I was no better trainer. I mean, there were great trainers out there. Uh, the ones that helped me, like uh, Gotch and Malenko and so many, many, many great guys. 1986, I remember watching Winnipeg Television, and uh, it was around the time that uh, West 4 kind of did a little uh, arrangement with you, uh, Tony Candelo and stuff, doing yeah. some, some television. How did that uh, come together? Because I, I've always been curious about that, because I, for the first time I'm seeing guys like the Terminators and, and Ricky Rice and a young before uh, sold-out Ustinov before he was sold out, and a few other guys, But how did, and then leading up to the big main event at the Winnipeg Arena, the big show there, but how did this I, this come together? Because I know you've worked with other promoters in the past, but how did you and Tony, uh, you know, meet up and, and get this idea of going to uh, bringing your talent up to uh, Winnipeg for those TV tapings? Well, Tony needed uh, wrestlers, an independent show. You know, he didn't work through the AWA or anyone, so uh, he called me. And as it happened, I had a you know a wrestling school and a lot of really great, great guys like the ones you just mentioned, and. Uh, he said, come on up and throw a show. And I said, okay. And that was it. We were there for a long time. We had many good shows. Yeah, you guys had a, a few months of really, I can remember those shows because, and I can remember the promotion of this event and uh, my co-host, former co-host, uh, George Shire, was uh, part of the broadcast team for it. Uh, you guys were really building towards this uh, main event with bringing in Brody uh, to take on Bob Brown at the Winnipeg Arena and, I mean, for all of its hype and stuff, what can you remember? Because, I mean, no, it wasn't that big of a draw of a show, but what can you remember about, the, you know, leading up to that show and having that all come together? Well, nothing. I just had a good bunch of guys. Uh, they all were new, except like Brody or something, who was great. And uh, they were ready, and we did it. And uh, they're inexperienced, but they did a good job. And I remember, well, we had a wonderful time. We, we were there many times. I've always loved Winnipeg. It's a great town for wrestling. 
yeah. we just got together, got in the car, and like we always did, 470 miles. That's a heck of a, a stretch of, of drive, but I mean, it, nothing that you're not familiar with already. I mean, uh, in your in your pro wrestling career and stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about before you got into the ranks of pro wrestling. Uh, what was life uh, like growing up uh, down there in, in Minneapolis, Eddie? Uh, your story uh, before you got involved and how wrestling eventually became a part of your life. Well, it was, just a, it was a wonderful time. Hennepin Avenue was a great place back then and uh, great places to hang around and nice people and just everything was perfect. Not like now, of course, but uh, you can never do it now. It was just a, a good time and the right time for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and down there too, I mean, you've, I've heard stories through the years about how you really had to be quite tough down there, especially down in Hennepin and in, in, that, in that area, uh, you know, down there. It wasn't uh, for, uh, for the week, but anything. It was definitely some tough times, some hard scrapping times. Oh, yes, yes. Only the Strong survived on Hennepin Avenue. Yeah, there's some really tough guys down there. Mm-hmm. Was there any Good guys uh, too? Yeah, was there any notable places that were were pretty much a, a magnet for a lot of a lot of uh, the the rough roughhouse behavior? Were there some spots that you can remember that that were were real prevalent for that sort of behavior? Oh uh, yes, uh, wrestlers all hang around the same place. They all go to one restaurant where we're treated very good. Um, Luigi's Cafe on Hennepin Avenue, and then of course the Chestnut Tree, which was, you know, really a really a nice place, and uh, we had good places to hang around and nice people. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. I mean, with the history of, of Minneapolis, and it kind of uh, led to your your career in pro wrestling. Uh, I mean, I want to talk about how you you broke into the wrestling and uh, getting trained and all that. But before you were uh, involved with the carnival circuit, not as intrigued me as well. Talk about how you ended up latching onto the carnival circuit and what that meant to you, uh, and what the, some of the things that were that you ended up getting involved with uh, as you're basically starting to get what was becoming your pro wrestling career up and running. Well, I was just uh, working out all the time, training hard, and working out at the YMCA with uh, Bill Wright and some other great wrestlers, and uh, I needed a job, so I went to work on the carnival. And then, of course, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got so lucky, because uh, Minneapolis was the biggest territory in the world then, and the best pay. And they just needed a guy one night to wrestle Otto von Krupp, the great Malenko, in Fargo, mm-hmm. and... They called me, and they knew I had some experience on the carnival, not much, nothing compared to those guys. And they called me one day, and I got in the car, went to Fargo, and I've been in the business ever since. <laughs> what a right. I mean, you mentioned Boris Malenko. He was uh, one instrumental in, in helping your development along the way. Uh, also, uh, the names like Bob Geigel come to mind, too. Can you talk about uh, just how important those guys really were uh, and integral to uh, getting you started and, and really uh, taking off, like you said, a career that even you're still involved with to this day uh, you know, and, and to that, you know, those humble beginnings and that debut in Fargo? Well, no, they're just, just great guys, and, and uh, they helped me a lot, and there are the right guys at the right time, like uh, like the wrestling business is. It's all timing, being at the right place at the right time, how much money you're going to make. And uh, they're just a big help in my life. I, was, I knew them before I became a wrestler because we all hung around the same place. And they were there, and, and they were great. A story I've heard uh, about uh, involving you involves uh, a wrestler who became uh, a very well-known actor. Uh, I want to talk about how you crossed paths with Len Montana. 
Oh, <laughs> you know, you know, if you got 10 hours, I'll tell you about Ernie Montana. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about this man because, man, I've seen him on the screen in the Godfather movies. He just seems like a fascinating guy and, and have that wrestling background and have you be connected to him. I was just talking, share a little bit about Landon. This sounds so interesting. Well, he, he was, uh, he was another one of the guys who broke me into business, Ernie uh, Montana. He was, uh, I don't know, he was a con man. Not like you've seen in the movies. He's a very fast-talking, very slick, very smart, and uh, he sold everything that wasn't nailed down. Just a wonderful friend, a wonderful help, and uh, my God, the fun we had, the things we did. Uh, I'd have to have 10 hours, you know, fight. we got in some fights, some good fights. One night in uh, Luigi's Cafe, I was, I was just walking down the aisle, and uh, it was a Saturday night or, you know, rush hour. And, uh, sure. A stripper came down and sat down. I know she was waiting for Jim Haiti, another wrestler, who was a friend of mine. And the guy sat down across from her and punched her in the face. So I knocked him out. I hit him with a left hook. It was just, and then some big, huge guy came running at me. And I caught him with the right hand. Boom, he went out. And he fell right in Lenny Montana's arms. <laughs> and, of course, Lenny was a big guy. Lenny just picked him up and threw him out. And that was just an average night for us. Just another big night downtown. <laughs> We're talking with Eddie Sharkey on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the, the day, your days with the AWA and some of the guys that you were able to work with early on. I want to mention a couple of names to see if they, they, they strike up some memories. The Big K, the man who uh, left us a few years ago, Stan Kowalski. Uh, what was it like working with him and being around him? Uh, because, I mean... He, he, George Shire always talks so so speaks so highly of him uh, throughout our stint here at Wrestling Memories. When George was co-hosting, he talked a lot about the Big K. What do you, do you remember uh, of Stan? Well, he was one of my best friends. You know, we we're together from the beginning. You know, we traveled together. And uh, when he became a promoter in Salt Lake City, he called me up. He said, "Bring in some of the guys, some of your guys." I said, "Well, you know, you got a couple guys here, and they got no experience." He said, "That's all right. Bring them in anyway." And uh, Salt Lake City at the time was a great place, you know, just a wonderful place. And uh, we went on from there, and God, I don't know, my whole career has been with him somewhere down the road. He was just a great guy and a great wrestler. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. A good friend. And that's the most important thing was the, the friendship that you struck with him because, I mean, it took you through how many years and so many territories. It's just kind of nice also when you are moving on to a different company or something to have somebody have your back or somebody to be around for the camaraderie and to help out during those trips and keep the morale up. Well, it was everything. The guys you hung around with, that meant everything. Like, I don't care so much about wrestling or anything. I don't think about the long trips. and It's the guys. For me, the business is all about the great friends I had. It was all about the good guys. And guys like, uh, well, Stan, everyone, you know, we could pick the guys who worked for us. And we would only pick the nicest guys. If there was a bad guy or something, he'd get hurt. We'd get rid of him. We always surrounded ourselves with nice guys because the trips were long and boring. And that business was hard. It was not an easy business. So everything depended on the guys who you worked with and where you went, but most important, who you worked with. Because, you know, I started out as real green. I didn't know nothing. And they'll help me and they guide me through and they talk to me in the ring. It's, it's like, like, like Charlie will tell you, you know, it's, it's all about the guys. 
Yeah, very much so. And uh, I'm going to bring in Charlie. I, I think we've had him on the, he's been, this is the longest I think he's been quiet, I guess, Eddie. This is, he's, he's been just uh-huh. sitting there like a good, good, good guy right over yeah. there now. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring him in uh, so he can get into the conversation. Charlie, let's uh, uh, welcome you to Wrestling Memories Then and Now, my co-host. Oh, thanks, man. I, I just enjoy listening to Eddie, and, you know, we've spent so many hours, thousands of hours talking and putting a wrestling card together on the back of a napkin at the coffee yeah. shop, you know, yeah, almost every napkin, day. Yeah. And yeah, then we'd worked. go out. Yeah, it worked. It worked. We didn't need no big office, no big, uh, we need a back oh. of a napkin, and then we started going out fundraising for our shows door-to-door, and 40 below zero, we'd be walking around getting advertisements, and raising money for the community. Ed did a wonderful thing. He cared about those native kids down in the community, especially in South Minneapolis. We always made sure they had free tickets. I'd go door-to-door, and it was self-promoting, which um, Debbie Michelli Medusa was great at. She was a great self-promoter, and that's the only way you get out and you meet the people. You meet the kids, you meet the sponsors, you meet and invite them to the show. We didn't need security because all the police would be there. They, They were all our friends and Eddie's friends going way back. It was a lot of work putting together a show, but we did it on the back of a napkin. We put the cards together, who we'd want, and Ed, Ed always let me have the um, um, freedom of choosing who I wanted to wrestle, who am I going to have the best match with. And he didn't let everybody have that uh, <laughs> had that freedom. But, yeah, I knew who, who I'd have good matches with, Larry Cameron. And, um, God, everybody around here was great. T.J. Khan, everybody that I, you know, Eddie would, you know, say this would be a good one. And he was always right every single time. He was always right. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 great just listening. I, I, I know a lot about Eddie, and he knows everything about me. And he's never been wrong about the business. And like he said, the boys are, are um, um that's what you miss, you know. If I go to if I go see a WWF show here or whatever they're called, WWE downtown at the arena, I don't watch the matches. I want to visit with the guys, man, you know. And that's what it's all about is the guys and the great memories, you know. Um, you don't really remember how much money you made that particular night or whatever. You remember the good times, you know. And he told me that early in my career. And um, it, it always, it, it's true, it's true. And it, he's got some great stories and, and um you probably need, yeah, just one guy like Lenny Montana. You need all day, you know, to hear. And him and Harley, Harley Race, they live together. Harley, so. yeah. See, then again, it's like I said, it's all about the guys. If you got a good bunch of guys, it'll work. If you got any bad guys, and there was a few out there, get rid of them. Fast. No, no, we, we just had a nice bunch of guys. We had fun. We enjoyed each other's company, and we worked together real good, which is so very, very important. I remember you telling me that guy came in the locker room and Harley was in the shower and it would have been another Bruiser Brody incident, but you were in there with him too and you guys would have to fight your way back to, for the bad guys. The heels would have to fight back to the dressing room. You were always there helping up. You were always there, you know, mad dog, you know, all you had their back. It, it was a whole different era. I mean, wow. Yeah, just to hear that story about Harley, how you and Harley and how crazy he was and what a wonderful oh, yeah. man he was. Great man, tough, tough probably the toughest in the, tough. in the business. You know? Oh, God, I'd say, well, we, had some, we had some pretty good fights, some pretty good riots. And uh, one thing I was taught by all them great people, always watch your friends back. Because back then, you know, we had no security. We had no security barriers. We had no police protection. And every once in a while, someone would get stabbed. Someone would just, 
slip a knife through and stab them. And uh, that's, again, you got to have, uh, you know, I, I've never, ever in my life didn't walk off behind the mad dog. I always had his back. Harley, too. And and we had, uh, hell, we got uh, kicked out of Denver once for three months. We're, uh, I was standing talking to a girl, and Harley was standing there, and some guy just grabbed him in a bear hug, and his wife hit him with a high heel shoe. And I was a few feet away, so I just ran over and kicked the guy in the head. And uh, he didn't move, so I reached down and stuck my finger in his eye. And uh, I stuck my finger in it like an empty eye socket. Harley already pulled his eye out. And that, that was, uh, you know... The police were there, were sick, and everyone said we were laughing, and uh, we couldn't go back for three months, but another night at work. Yeah. But that's what, that's the way it was then. But always, always have your friends back, because you don't know who's going to do that crowd. Back then, they were totally crazy. And then again, you know, if you got stabbed, like Harley did. Harley got stabbed one time, I think it was in Texas or something. And they stabbed bad, and uh Went to court, the judge said, well, you incited the riot. You started it. And that's true. We'd work the people up into a frenzy where they'd uh, want to kill us. And it was our fault, really, uh, when you think about it. But uh, there were some mean people back then, and they took us serious. Yeah, Harley told me a few stories, and I wrote to him about how tough you were, and you're like the toughest man on Hennepin Avenue, and that's saying a lot, you know, and Harley didn't brown when he talked no, about he didn't. fighting. So coming from the toughest man in the business and t- talking about you, and I wrote to him a few times, you know, you know how he drove. I think most of the oh, guys yes, that I wrote do. with him <laughs> would never ride with him again, but oh, I loved riding oh, with Harley. I, I, was, I wish I had an interview tape recorder of our times together. You know, I wrote to him maybe a dozen times, you know, and, oh, and I didn't mind a hundred Yeah. I didn't mind a hundred oh, miles God. an hour at all. Didn't scare me at all. But he, you know, if he showed any kind of fear, he, he's going to scare oh, you then more. He really you know? step on the gas. Yeah. <laughs> no, we lived together. We traveled together and, and, uh, we got a lot of fights, not only in the ring, but on Hennepin Avenue. And, uh, he'd back down for nobody. Of course, neither would I. And so consequently we had, we had, you know, we did. They weren't really that, that that good because we won. We won, and of course we sucker punch him. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of experience in that field. I want to ask you know the question for both you guys, kind of tell the to- tell the tale of how you guys met up because it's that that's a really good story because it really opened up the gates for, for and opportunities for Charlie in his pro wrestling career. But uh, what, do you remember uh, that moment? First, I'm going to tar- start with uh, with Eddie, and then I'll start, and then you, you you Charlie will reply as well. What can you remember about you know hooking up, uh, crossing paths with with Charlie those in those early days of of knowing each other? Some guy set up a meeting, you know, and I saw Charlie right away, and I knew, you know, he had a good future. And then I, I got to talking to him, and I seen what a nice guy he was, and I, I, I knew right there that everything would go right. And uh, we've been together ever since. We had traveled the world and Japan and Kuwait and God knows where else, but he was just a good guy, and he was an athlete, you know, he was, uh, and he had a good appearance, and so how could I lose? We just had a just a wonderful time together. That, that that's why you know they want me to write the book. You know, and mm-hmm. I I read a few books that they they sent me and talking about headlocks and arm drags and the crowd or whatever. You know, the the thing somebody's got to write about is the people, the wonderful people you meet and and the wonderful times we had together. It seems like we're always laughing and happy and. It was a very fun, violent business. 
it had to be a certain type of person to be in it. And uh, we did it. We pulled it off. And we had our own promotion. Hell, we had our own school. We did everything. And all the time we did that, we had fun. And that's the most important thing that I tell the new guys is have fun. Because 20, 30, 40 years from now, you're never going to remember how much you got paid that night or how long the trip was. But you're always going to remember the wonderful people you meet. And that means everything to me. Well, I met Eddie, and then he seen he seen me playing basketball one time, and I was dunking it, and I, you know, could tell I was an athlete, and I I, I wanted to get in the business. I always knew I was going to be in the business, and um, you know, since I was a kid. But meeting Eddie was a was a great chance meeting through a friend, and uh, uh, he said, "When are you going to come down? We want you to maybe try refereeing some matches." And I'm like, "Oh man, you know, I was scared to do that even, you know, and." I'd never showed up, and then he finally said, come down to the uh, wrestling school and um, just check it out, no pressure, and I did, and the first day was like uh, hell week in practice. I mean, you learn how to fall backwards. Well, you don't learn that day. You learn awfully fast, though. You just stand up straight up, and you you learn how to fall straight back uh, on your back, which is I've never done, never did, you know, unless it was in football or something. But it's something, It's it, you got to be tough. And a lot of guys lasted a week, a day, a couple weeks maybe. You know, they, they wouldn't make it through Sharky's camp because, um, you know, he don't, he don't fool around. He doesn't want no one to get hurt. And um, you got to be kind of like, a different kind of breed of person and um tough you got to be tough and an athlete and nice nice is most important is nice be a nice guy yep that, that that's very true you got to learn first thing you know i taught you and everyone else is how to protect yourself so you yes. don't get hurt because you get slammed hard and you get used to that but you got to tuck in your chin you know break the fall with your arms because you could break your neck Mm-hmm. And that's all I cared about. I didn't want no one to get hurt. They all were my friends. We all hung out together. You know, I tried to protect them as best as I could, and uh, I guess I did all right. Yeah, <laughs> no got you hurt. sure did. I know knowing walking into any dressing room anywhere, and it's probably mostly a lot of because of road warriors, is you go into the dressing room with, say, uh, Kevin Kelly Nails, you walk into a dressing room, and they, t- they learn you come from Eddie's school, and it's like, you know, he has a for training tough guys, good guys. And um, they always use, oh, man, he's from Sharky School. I remember the Nasty Boys one time, they asked they asked me, where, uh, where'd you go to school? I said, well, I came out of Sharky's, and they both grabbed their bags and went running out of the dressing room. <laughs> they said, oh, holy, we, we quit, we quit. <laughs> so, you know, the good, you remember the good times. But, yeah, you get instant, you know, instant respect when you tell them you come from Sharky's. And from Rangan's helped a lot of the, uh, the local talent out, yes, too. He, he worked yes, on he our did. cards, and you can go out to his ring if, you know, if you're tough enough to get on the mat with him, which was pretty tough, you know. Um, you know, he was, I don't see anybody, um, you know, Oli asked him one time, he said, how does it feel like you could walk in any dressing room and kick anybody's ass in the whole room? And Brad just smiled, you know, how humble he uh, is and stuff. But Yeah, that's yeah. true. So I made it to Sharky and, you know, mostly, you know, Brad, I used to go work out with the Japanese out there. Frank yeah. Anderson, 10-time American, uh, Pan-American Games yeah. gold medalist. Yeah. I mean, these guys weren't. You know, they were in your average Aido person, and, people. Yeah, yeah Masa. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had the best. For some reason, uh, the water, what it is, the best wrestlers in the world uh, at that time and oh, forever, it seemed to me, all came from Minnesota, Minneapolis mostly. I don't yeah. know why, but that's where they came from. 
Yep, that's that's the, that's just the truth, and you get that instant uh, respect when you walk into a dressing room. That this guy's well trained. He's you know they used to just tease us about the crowbars because uh, you know the 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 animal and hawk were so green when they got in. They were just destroying people. You know they yeah. weren't. They never. Well, that's they, they never, wanted them. They wanted them to do that. Yeah. Well, no, they wanted them to do that, but without you know tearing someone's yeah. head off, they didn't get to be on the road ninety days and you know in our, they didn't get yeah. that formal training. They just went from school to the right to the ring, you know, and on national television. And yeah, these guys, um, they they they're known as, and they still will always be forever known as the greatest guys you ever met in your life. You know. That's that's so true. The greatest tag team the world's ever known. Absolutely, guys. Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it just, you know, how you know, it wasn't all that long ago that we lost Joe. And man, yes, yeah, just recently. Yeah, that was such a sudden thing, and it was just so, 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 just, just a downer when when that news broke oh, out. Yes. I mean, just considering his legacy in pro wrestling, but you got to know him because you not only trained him, but through the years, you guys, you stayed in contact and stuff. So you really got to know Joe the man from a young point in his life all the way up to uh, his unfortunate passing. And what can you remember about Joe when he first came into camp? I know you were, the whole story with you working at Grandma B's and these guys with Hawk and Animal and Rick Rude, Barry Darso and various were, were running, were doing the bouncing. But what can you remember about, about Joe from those early days and, 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 and then getting him involved in the pro wrestling business? No, he was, uh, Joe was more of a quiet one. He, he was just, just a nice guy and he was, of course, a good athlete. And uh, he's one of them guys that uh, just did everything right. It just came to him. Uh, the one, the colorful one, of course, was a hawk. He was always fighting in the parking lot of Grandma Bees. And, oh, God, and, you know, um, <laughs> he was just so tough, you know, and, and uh, so great. You know, I don't think a day goes by where I don't think about them guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those days, you know, we get to hear a little bit as wrestling fans. We don't know the full real story, real deal story. But those days at Grandma B's, I mean, I, this must have been one hell of a bar to have those guys uh, and others be, be bouncers. Because I, I don't know, I'd be quite intimidated just the thought of looking at one of those guys, uh, you know, just mining the door. What kind of atmosphere? Let's just paint the picture of this place, Eddie, because I'm, I'm fascinated about this, this Grandma B's. Well, it was a big, big place. And at the time, it was the hottest place in the Twin Cities. You know, the beautiful women and a big band. And, you know, everyone wanted to go there. And, of course, all the tough guys wanted to go there, too, and make a name for themselves. And, uh, oh, my God, they, they tried. You know, geez. One time, one time a guy came in there and he wanted to fight the Hawk. You know, and, and uh, the Hawk took him out in the parking lot and beat the hell out of him one more time, just one more guy. And in the meantime, a guy got run over by a Volkswagen in the street. So they called an ambulance and the ambulance came and picked up the guy the hawk beat up and left the guy that got run over in the street. <laughs> and that was just another day at work. Uh, you know, and there's guys like Tommy Ferrara and tough guys like that too. That uh, They all became wrestlers. It was just the right time, the right place. And then Ole Anderson was a big promoter yeah. at the time too who was an old friend of mine, a good guy, and he's from the Twin Cities. So he flew up and, and just, you know, the break in, in wrestling is, is something that takes years and training and know the right people. It's very, very, very hard to get in. And uh, he just walked in and said, you and you, you'd be on the plane Saturday and you two be on the plane a week from Saturday to Atlanta, you know. 
he took a Rick Rude and Barry Darso, Animal and Hawk, and that's how easy it was for him. And they and they didn't disappoint him. They didn't disappoint anyone. They worked hard, and we all were very very proud of them. Yeah, all of them are just great in the ring. And uh, boy, yes, Barry Barry Darso, I mean, talk about a guy who hasn't really properly received his due. Uh, I think from some places that have these halls of fame, because this guy, I mean, he worked. You know, not only as a Russian, he did the demo. He did multiple characters, but he was always such a solid hand and very believable. I mean, some of those matches that he had with the Road Warriors, is with you know him and Ivan Koloff and and and, and Nikita. I mean, were some of the more memorable stuff. And I think and Barry did some great stuff, too, in the Mid-South working for Watts. I mean, this was a guy that I think really doesn't get the due. He's kind of like Bill Irwin. They don't get the proper due they, they so richly deserve because he was a solid hand. Well, that's very true. But uh, so many times he wrestled under a mask, you know, Repo Man and all that kind of stuff. And people didn't know who he was. And, and that's why he didn't get the recognition he deserved. And, and uh, he deserves a lot. Nicest guy, too, man. Nicest what a, guy in the what world. a class, class act yeah, all like, the way. Like Soldat, Yusinoff, and that whole crowd there. They're just great guys. Jim Lanning's his real name. He's still with us. He's still alive. And, uh, geez, we got we got to go find him, Charlie. He's up at North yeah. Memorial Hospital. He's the head of yeah. security. God, yeah. Guy, we, got, we got to track him down. Terminators, they they contact me all the time. When, you meet, when you're meeting up with Ed, when they want to, everybody's dying to meet up, and we should have like a little set up a time where all of us can meet up, you know, and not just at the last minute. We need to all meet up who's left and um, just talk about the good old days, you know. <laughs> well, we're trying to set that up now, you know. we got to get a hold of uh, Jim Lanning and the Terminators and Tommy Ferrara, and, you know, there's a few left, not many, yeah. and that's, that's the sad part of it. You know, See, not only was that generation great athletes, um, there's also the steroid generation, where they took steroids, consequently they died young. I was very, very much against steroids. I wouldn't allow it on the show. I wouldn't allow it in the camp. I wouldn't allow no drugs at all. And, uh, well, you see what happened when they got, got away. And that bothers me, too. Oh. I'm not glad about, um, I wanted you to hear the news from somebody about Joe that morning I found out, um, I forget his name, ECW guy out there, anyway, they were good buddies, and uh, he's the one that, and I knew coming from him that it wasn't fake, so I called you early that morning, I wanted uh, you to hear it from me. I couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was. He was so was, healthy, i just seen him recently at uh, yeah. some fan club gathering or something we had here, and he, uh, you know, and he always here, sit down and have a t-shirt, I remember, have two t-shirts, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. He's just a I, wonderful human being. He's, his whole family's real nice. You know, his kid was that great football player, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, his family, his father, everyone, they're just wonderful people. They're from, uh, by Philadelphia, a town outside of Philadelphia. He wasn't from here, but he moved here. And to have just, his... Yeah, uh, he... Um, you know, I, I remembered my first child with WWF. I was sitting in the locker room with, uh, well, they, you know, it's not mean to call them job guys, but I was in that other locker room with, you know, with the, with the enhancement guys, I guess. They, enhancement, uh, is that what they're, they're called? <laughs> yeah, well, jobbers back then, we were, you know, I was sitting in there, and you, you asked Joe, the, the 
couple of days before, day before, to take, keep an eye out, keep a lookout for me, and take care of him while he's there. So, Joe comes, grabs me out of his in his full outfit, and um, he comes, grabs me in there, and he he brings me in the WW, you know, where all the guys were. And I, I was sitting right between the Road Warriors. Hogan was here and over there, and um, Kerry Von Erich, and all these, you know, all the guys, top guys. And I sat right between the Road Warriors. So right then, I had. I was one of the boys automatically. I didn't have, I went around introducing myself, but you know, just another job guy or whatever, another tryout guy. But I, they, he put me right between the freaking road warriors and here I am sitting there and, and talking to Hulk Hogan. And I was just a month earlier, I'm watching these guys on TV and like thinking this is what I, you know, I'm training to do this. You know, it's, it's, it seems far away in my mind, but Man, a month later, I'm sitting between them in the locker room, and I'm one of the boys automatically because Joe took me around and said, this is one of Sharky's guys, and, and, and Hawk, of course. He was running all over, the, you know, couldn't wait to introduce me to people. So that was my first trial with New York. And, um, yeah, thanks to you, Ed, that uh, they Joe took really good care of me and always did, always. I remember one time we did a big autograph thing for uh, kids cancer out at the Mall of America the Japanese press anytime the road warriors did something in town here the Japanese would fly all the way over here yes they would yeah didn't take Fumi pictures and all and, them. Um, yeah 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 Fumi Linda Rufa yeah. she's I don't she think she was from St. Louis but she was worked with the Japanese magazines a lot but yeah big pictures in the Japanese magazine but that day um um, Joe had a limo, and I was driving. You know, we went. We met at a little Maslacks over northeast. We were going to get something yeah. to eat. Me, Joe, and the Hater, and this was on Kenny Patera. This Hater, was, yeah, this was all over. Oh God, yeah. And we we're and then Joe said, "My wife's going to come pick me up." He said, "Why don't you guys?" And Joe was never a big drinker. He'd have a beer or two. He never was. I never seen him drink more than one or if any. You know, but. Um, you know, even though I was never into the, the the drugs and all of that stuff. And but, anyways, he said, Charlie, um, I got uh, twelve hours left on my limo. He said it's yours for the night. I already tipped the guy. Um, he said it's yours for the night. So that's the kind of guy he was. You know, he was just uh, anything. You know, um, just unbelievable. Him and Hawk both, man. If they could do some for you, they would. You know. Yeah, that, that really... bothers me so much. You know, them guys are gone. Uh... It's just a big part of uh, my life, all our lives. You know, they, they yes. made all Minnesota look good. Uh, and, and like when Hawk died, I was uh, in the Philippines at the time at the uh, Mercedes Hotel in Cebu. And they dragged me down there, and, and the Meltzer, the, the writer, did. And I couldn't believe it. I said, well, you know, big, strong, healthy, good-natured, happy guy, laughing and joking and you know, it, it'll bother me till the day I die. I don't think a day goes by. I don't think about the guys. You know, from my generation as a wrestler, you know, that, there was a great bunch too, and also the ones I trained. I was so lucky to have known those wonderful people. And who's the, who do you think was the, like, they, they want to say the greatest of all time, this, that, whoever. Who was the greatest of all time that you you experienced and worked, maybe worked with, I don't know, at the time? Who was the greatest that would be hard to top of all time? Well, there was two guys, Ray Stevens and Harley Race. And, uh, you know, to be in the ring with them was was like a night off. To me, they'll always be the greatest. Ray Stevens, huh? Yeah, okay. Ray yeah. Stevens Remember we went see him in the hospital down here in yeah. Hampton County when he, was, yeah. he was, didn't have much longer to live, and he was so yeah. happy and so yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't sad. He was just happy to see the guys that wasn't instantly he brought great, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was another one, one of the boys. He just wanted to be with the boys. 
go yeah. have a few drinks, hang out, you know, get in a fight, you know. He, he just, he was just a wonderful human being. He, he, he was a great guy, you know. And all them guys are gone now, you know. And I was so lucky that I had known him. I, I miss him so very much, but I was so fortunate that I got to meet him in life. Yeah, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Jesse Hernandez out in California the other oh, day. Oh, he's a he's hell of a nice guy. He's got a good camp going out there, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know he's training guys. And I and he said that um, he said he's showing them guys of uh, Ray Stevens back in the '60s, back you know in oh, San Francisco here where he was unreal. And he said he's he showing them that how to work instead of these triple flips that someone could break yeah. their neck at any time. That's the era we're in right now. Is that lucha? Kind yeah. of like a bunch of, uh, um, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, um, gymnasts or something. Great guys, great workers, great athletes. I'm not cutting them yeah, down. That's just, yeah. You know, it's just they think they got to do a double, triple flip backwards. And, it, it, you know, they don't know what they're doing to themselves, these kids. Man, they're wonderful. And Jerry Lynn's their top trainer down in AEW, so that can give oh, you a little. He's one of my guys. I, I, I trained yeah, him. Yes, yeah, another yeah. good guy. Yeah, one of the best. Yes, he was. Nicest guy in the world too. Like well, like all the guys from Minnesota had one thing in common. They all well two things. They were great athletes and they were nice guys. Yeah. Yeah, and so I could see a lot of Jerry in that training, you know, that them because uh, Jerry took it so serious. If it was in front of twenty people, two hundred or twenty thousand yeah, people, he yeah. he took it that serious, you know, every single match. Sean Waltman was another one. Every another I mean one. Man, he would give it his all. His every match, he was he, he was yes, he was he was wow, unbelievable. And we would all watch Sean's matches. We couldn't believe this kid wow. was this good, you know. Do you remember when he came up here? Were you? Somebody sent him up to me. Um, maybe Wellington Wilkins or somebody. He was trained yeah. by Malenko in Florida. I never trained him. People say I didn't train mm-hmm. him, but I started him in the business. And they sent up this skinny, geeky, seventeen-year-old <laughs> kid. He said he was 18. I think he was about 16 at the time. Yeah, he was and, 16. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, geez, I let this guy work, and it was amazing. And then we yeah. had a, a match, a Wally Carbo come down, you know, and he said, you can't book this guy. You know, he's a young, skinny kid. And uh, I think he was, was him and somebody against Brad Ringerson's Saito that night. And Wally Carbo couldn't believe it. He said yeah. he's the greatest worker I ever seen. He he just uh, he was just, just amazed by him. Yeah, and uh, he had a wonderful, great career, and he's still he's doing good on Hollywood. There, I don't know what he's, he's doing now, but whatever it is, it's uh, he's doing it. He's doing the right thing. Yeah, he um, when he first came up here, he spent you know a few months. He lived with us for a while, and you know my dad and mom loved him. They kind of adopted him, and my mom and dad always worried about him. Always. Um, you know, they they worried about Sean. They didn't think he was that tough as he yeah. was. He, he yeah. didn't look as <laughs> tough as he was. He, he oh, looked. God. He didn't look that tough, but he he was no, the he real didn't. deal. He yeah, was, and and um, my mom and dad always, you know, he he'd call my mom and dad. He he said, "Your mom and dad are the only ones." He said, "Even my ex-wife's family and all of them would never have nothing to do with me until I made it, you know, to the big leagues." Yeah. And your mom and dad are the only ones that never asked me for anything. I said, they always wanted you to take care of yourself, Sean, and be, to be safe. And he called me when my dad f- passed away, and he was crying. You know, he said, um, your dad meant a lot to me because Sean really didn't have any parents growing up. He was, you know, his parents are, are his family is originally from Grand Fork, or Big Fork, Little Fork, Big Fork up that way. That's where he's from. Somewhere. So, Yeah, it's way up there by International yeah, Falls up, somewhere. Yeah. 
So he actually he's a he's a Minnesota guy, but he he grew up oh, yeah. around Tampa and he lived with uh, wherever he could and whatever. And he he um, he met Malenko and he went to the camp. And there was Wellington Wilkins who never gets brought up, and he should because no one has yeah. any footage of him. But what a he was Great. trained by Kyle Gotch, and Gotch didn't train too many people. I think Bob Orton Jr. was one of them. But yeah, I remember that Sean stayed with us for a while. Then he moved in with Marv. And do you remember that rib we pulled on him when he um, he was driving Marv's car that time when I put the uh, <laughs> we put the Limburger cheese on the Limburger manifold. Limburger cheese on the manifold. Yeah. <laughs> Before Marvin, he was looking down the street for his car, and it was up in Grand Forks or Winnipeg or something. Yeah. No, it was Turtle. Yeah, uh, I was North Dakota, Dickinson, yeah, North Dakota. Dick, it was twenty yeah. miles from oh, Montana. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wait. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that real long trip. And, uh, but we worked a couple of casinos and made money. I remember that well. That was so much fun. Yeah, man. Larry had his head taken course. out. Nobody knew that we had they had Limburger cheese on their manifold, oh, and Larry Cameron yeah. was riding with him. So much and... fun back then. Yeah, yeah. Larry, was, Larry got stuck in a small car with him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, every night was like that. You know. Yeah, God, uh, that that was so funny. I remember it so well because of Larry Cameron. And we didn't tell him either. He just thought it was a bad smelling car. <laughs> he thought it was something outside or something. And he was funny. He never did. He never did know. I don't think Sean I don't knows. Think we ever did tell him, did we? <laughs> no, I never did. <laughs> I didn't. It was too good. <laughs> oh man, that smell! That smell was the worst ever. In oh God, I've ever... Not, we did that to some other guys too. You know, we didn't yeah. uh, let everyone get away. We we get a few. <laughs> I'm the only one to ever get sharky at a restaurant because that took good care of his money, like those old guys did. You know they, oh, you yes. know they didn't, they didn't order yeah, no big. Like Malenko, you know. see the guys that taught me, like Gotch and Malenko were the guys. You know, really helped me a lot, and they told me about take care of your money mm-hmm. because he might get hurt. We had no insurance or nothing, and you mm-hmm. get hurt, what's going to happen to you if you don't have any yeah. money put away? So we stopped at, it was an ice storm, remember the ice storms always? I remember it well, yeah. And, so uh, the Houston office. Yeah, he was driving, yeah. yeah. Driving. We had a, we stopped at a little cafe, you know, and Ed ordered a plain hamburger with coffee, you know, just enough to get home. He had a lot of food at home, just enough to get there. And I ordered T-bone steak, eggs, at the works, everything. I had everything. Uh-huh. And I, I switched tickets with Ed, and um, I think Ed was, um, probably got a contact high from uh we were smoking weed in the van and i think ed might have got a little contact high because you don't do this to ed sharkey no one ever i'm the only one no. ever i, no, I got the, i, do it to I you. got the <laughs> exactly so i switched tickets with ed and he paid my nine dollar bill and i paid his two dollars and thirty cents <laughs> hamburger and coffee <laughs> you know and then later down the road he's like you know that was the most expensive hamburger and coffee and the whole van just I exploded Oh, yeah, yeah. Took my mind off that, the ice storm, you know. <laughs> well, we're you know in a car. We it was a very very long drive, and everyone quit talking. I remember that, and it was quiet, and we're staring out the window. And I said, you know, what's a nine dollars an awful lot to pay for a cheeseburger? And the whole van cracked up. They got me. <laughs> And they said you're the only one. Eddie still gives me. He still never. I'll never. You know. I'm sure he's got no, me no, back somewhere. Happen too often. No, no. You got me good. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth it because it was so funny. You know, the laughs. Or, yeah. you know, that's, that's the way it was back then. We laughed at everything. You know, life was uh, just 
That's the red, ro- the yellow me. road, the yellow road is on there in Des Moines. Remember we wrestled there? That was a great place, great place. Yeah, yeah, we went down there a long time. I'm trying to think of that guy's name, but uh, we were in Des Moines for a long time. We always had fun, a long drive, of course, but mm-hmm. it seems everywhere we went was a long drive. Well, that's yeah. the way it was back then. Yeah. You've got to remember, this was the biggest territory in the world, uh, you know, from North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, parts of Illinois, Iowa, you know, if you come to Minnesota, you always make money, but you've got to drive. Yeah, that's one of the things that I asked Baron when I first broke into business, uh, um, Baron Von Raschke, I asked him, and you told me this too, he, I said, how do I get booked? You know, he's, he was, you guys were going to Chicago, and uh, Aaron was going down there. I said, how could I get booked down there? He said, do you got a car? And I said, yeah. He said, you're booked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. It's that's about right, yeah, yeah. But he knew me He knew me by then. He's yeah. seen a he little of my work. Guy. and Oh, God. He could, he could drink more beer without stopping to take a piss than anybody in the history of the planet. Man, I remember, it, um, I think the second match of his career was up in Grand Forks, and he was working with me, and uh, it was a sellout. A big, Larry Henning promoted a big show up there, and uh, he didn't know what to do. I said, just listen to me, kid. Now, I'm going to be the villain, and you're going to be the good guy. And uh, we had a hell of a match. You know, it, it, it worked. It, a few times I got to be a heel, because I always wanted to be a heel. Uh-huh. Everyone did. It's easier. And the Baron went on to be very successful, and he, he's still doing well. I see him once in a while, and he's he's just doing great. Good yeah. for him. Another nice guy. Nicest. The nicest yep. guy, yep. man. Yeah, he is. Class he's act all the way. I remember that yeah. time we had a show in Columbia Heights over here. It was a good house, actually, that day. A lot of people, you know, the Road Warriors were there yeah. watching, Sean and everybody. They were yeah, in the big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, we had some good houses, too. And um, after the match, this was just totally just came to my mind. We didn't plan it out or anything. And Baron wasn't supposed to um, wrestle that day. He was supposed to manage us. Me and someone, Jim Brunzel or somebody, they didn't show up. And um, uh, they went to the wrong building. You know, Brunzel would show up. You know, he just didn't make it. But anyways, Baron was supposed to manage us. And then they had the Golden Idol on their team, whoever it was. And me and Baron, I said, we're going to the ring. I said, Baron, how many beers have you had? He said, 12 too many, <laughs> you know, because he wasn't, yeah. you know, he never drank before, always after. And um, after the match was over, we were victorious. And um, I got on the microphone. I said, to celebrate today's win, the great Baron Von Rasky is going to show you that he knows how to Indian dance. So I got the crowd stomping and hopping, who and he danced. Oh, yeah. and he 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 was a very good dancer, and we got a standing ovation. Yeah. And and it was just and just winged it at the time. And he always brought that up all the time. He said, "I'll never forget yeah, you did that." You know, <laughs> it was great. So yeah, he rose to the occasion, no matter what it was. He you know he yeah. had. That's yeah. great respect for you and, and, you know, the guys and everybody loves to. I've been in a lot of locker rooms and, and, man, I've never met anybody better than him, you know, nicer and better. Just overall, a thousand percent real, real professional. You know, the funny thing about him, as nice as he is, he's one of the toughest guys in the business. He won, the, yep. like, the Pan Am Games, amateur wrestling, everything. He was, he was a hell of a shooter. Yeah, but I Nebraska. don't think he could hurt anybody. He was such a nice guy. No, no, he wouldn't hurt a mosquito. But he, he, but he could. Well, oh, yeah. Oh no, he could. He was a shooter at Nebraska, all American. Now that's no easy yes, task. You know, he'd never tell anybody about it. I didn't know about it until you told me about it. And um, you know, he doesn't sit around and talk about himself. And 
but yeah, if, you know, long rides with him were great, man. I got some funny stories on the Baron, but that's another that's another day, and maybe we can get him on the program, Glenn. You know, someday. Yeah, if you, have you ever had him? He's he's around. He's he's out living on Hastings. I'd love to have oh. Baron on. That would that would be great. I mean, just I mean, listening oh, to you guys. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I've met him a couple of times. Just uh, just a just nice, quiet. He was just very humble, man. Yeah. I mean, considering all very he's humble. done, you know, in the business and yep. how many places he's been through the years, he's just amazing, just down to earth. And that's that is again another classic example of guys who worked up in this area that were just good, good yeah. souls, you know. Well, that's that's the way they that's the way they've been trained up here. Just be a nice guy. That that comes first. Be a nice guy, then a good wrestler. Not and a stooge. A don't nice be a stooge. You know, stooges don't last no, no, very no long. Stooges. No stooges. No. <laughs> no. No stooges have a way of getting hurt. You know, we can. Yeah. We still got guys that can get in there and hurt you. <laughs> yep. We've never. Well, we, we we didn't really hurt them. We just we, we kind of blow them up, tire them out. You know, just yeah. Get up quick and move fast, and pretty soon they can't breathe. And you learned yeah, that from the Crusher, didn't you? To blow them up first, you know, blow them yeah, up if crusher, they want Yeah, well, Crusher, I learned a lot from the Crusher, of course. He taught me an awful lot. Yeah, he he knew an awful He was a very smart man and a very nice man. And we all made a lot of money because of him. He was yeah, on top on the card. We all got good payoffs. Yeah, I, I, I miss all them guys so much, you know. it's a, What an era. What an era. You're hard, so lucky. It's hard for me. Yeah, You're so lucky, though. I had to live with those guys and to be with them. I mean, come on. You guys were movie yeah. stars, man. It was my whole life. Like I said, a uh, hundred times just today, but I don't want to write a book about the wrestling. I want to write about the guys, the good times, the laughs, the, the fight, the violence. It was it was a very violent time also. And, of course, you know, traveling with Harley every day, he he kind of bring it on himself, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he looked uh, for he it. Don't <laughs> He actually would look for it. Yeah, that's true. Who was who was he? Yeah. Was he riding with him one time and he was actually firing his gun, shooting out the window or something? I don't oh, remember that. Many times, he <laughs> always carried several guns. Oh God! And we all did. You know, that's another thing. Everyone wore cowboy boots. Everyone carried guns back then. And we stop along the road, a long trip, and we target practice or whatever, you know. But everyone carried guns. I bought his whole gun collection because he got mad at a guy one night and jumped out of the car with a gun and uh, smashed out his windshield. And he said, I, I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble. So I bought, oh, God, he had some great guns. If I just would have hung on to him. No, he loved to, he loved to shoot things. He, yeah. he, liked to, he was always fighting something or shooting something or, or in the ring. I don't know. It's a, I guess it's a show have in the that, ring. Did, did he always have that, soul, that super power beyond superpower of grip of his, like rude? Now, he was just born with it. Oh, man. We'd all go to the gym. He wouldn't. He never worked out much, hardly at all. It, it just, uh, it just born that way. Just yeah. strong and I, tough and like to fight. God, they yeah. just don't make him like that anymore, do they? He was a no, true no. world champion. Yes, Inside and outside the ring. Yes. And he was colorful. They talk about some of the world champions, and there's been some very good ones, but nothing compared with him. You know, he was a real champion. Probably the only one I can think of that worked more and had a had a, 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 a busier schedule than him would probably be Ric Flair. I mean, every night they would, you know, be oh, Flair drink, drink yeah, all yeah. night and smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah. so Flair oh, didn't smoke God. cigarettes, but I mean, they worked everywhere, every terror, every. I don't know how hard. they did every it. Night. Every you night know? he worked hard. Yeah. Every night. Yeah, he sure yeah. did. Well, another Minnesota guy. Yeah. There you go. 
I don't know what it is from here, but here's another one from Minnesota. From Edina, Minnesota, right out here where I live. Yeah, I'm kind of taking Glenn's job here. Glenn should... <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> no apologies. Oh, no apologies it. are necessary because you Anytime are my... Anytime you want to jump in, it's you... your gig, man. You are my that's co-host. We're like, we get together. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. no. This is what I wanted. This is the, the intention of is to have you guys get involved with the conversation. Me, I can ask you a few questions up and down, but you two know each other so well, and it's really, really uh, shines through in your conversations and asking questions and just throwing back some memories. But it also is about your friendship, too. And it's so fun to have you guys good friends you know, be able to sit and chat and share memories. And that's what it's all about here at this program is to share the memories. I could ask, like I said, I could ask you all kinds of questions, Eddie, but the fun ones are the ones that you and Charlie get together on because you can really tell how well you guys know each other. And it's been so much fun uh, just listening and asking a few questions, but being a part of this uh, for this past uh, almost hour or so. And I I have really tipped my hat to both of you guys for uh, taking the time to be uh, on the program this week. And uh, again, the doors always open if something should come up you guys are always welcome like charlie you know you know you and i got many many of these things in the can to work on here in the next few weeks but uh eddie sharkey i thank you so much for being a part of this uh this chat with us well that's what the business was all about just a bunch of nice guys good athletes they cared about each other you know no one got hurt and we all i cared about was having a good time that's all that matters i told the first thing in the camp just enjoy yourself like I said earlier in the program, you're never going to remember how much you got on that certain night or how far you traveled, but you'll always remember the wonderful friends you make. And, and that's, that's everything to me. And that's a great way to end the program. For Eddie Sharkey and Charlie Norris, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now.